Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Have you got your diary? Okay, you need to turn to the second spread. And um, apart from the fact that this is my grandchild, (laughs) that aside, because what's the point of having a grandbaby if you can't stick her in all the photo shoots? But um, (laughs) that aside, there's some words written there. It says, heaven believes in you. Heaven believes in you. Turn the page. And then there's another image there with beautiful Nandy cupping the face of an older sister, a grandma friend, and it says, and so do we. Heaven believes in you, and so do we. And I want to say that because if you hear nothing else this weekend, I want you to hear those words, that heaven believes in you, and so do we, because that is the essence of this conference. That is the foundation of it. And um, I know many of you know this, but a lot of years ago, I felt what was a God whisper. I felt the Lord say, Bobby, create a conference in Sydney for women, predominantly for younger women, girded about with older women, and tell them. Tell them that there is a God in heaven who loves them and a company of others who believe in them. In Jesus' name, amen. And so you need to hear that tonight. And you might be here for the first time, and you know, you're never hearing those, you're hearing these words for the very first time. And I just want you to relax and know that there is a God in heaven who loves you and believes in you. And you might be here also, and I was praying for you all, you know, I mean, you've just been in my mind and heart for so long, but I was praying sort of earlier in the week and somewhere in that equation, I just felt the Lord say, for those of you in this room who know Him, you know, you know the reality of this God and you, know, you're, you have your confidence, but you're going through tough times. And I want you to also know that God believes in you. He believes in you. And listen to me. He believes in your capacity to seek Him. You might be going through a really tough time, but He believes in your capacity to seek Him, to seek Him and to find Him. And if you seek Him and you find Him, then you will find the strength, the grace, the wisdom that you need for whatever situation. Amen? Amen in Jesus' name. So just lean over, give someone a kiss and say, there you go. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. So, Father, we just commit the word to you this evening, and I just pray on behalf of everyone who is going to stand on this platform and bring your word that, God, you would breathe upon this word, that it would be life, that your word would be such that it goes forth and it does not return void. It will fall on open, hungry, receptive hearts, and that it will bring forth, Father God. So we lean in in Jesus' name. Yes? Amen. Amen. This morning I woke up and, you know, my friend Angela Sully had sent a beautiful text. She's going to be in our second conference, but she sent me a text this morning with a psalm. And I want to read it to you because it ministered to my heart and what's mine is yours. So for those of you, as we start this conference, I want to read Psalm 121. And it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills around Jerusalem and to sacred Mount Zion and to Mount Moriah. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence shall my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip or to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. This morning I felt that heaven just spoke that into my heart. It was so beautiful. But this this evening you might be here and you need to hear that. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand, the side not carrying a shield. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night and the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you, your life safe. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've got a good God in heaven. Tonight, as we open this conference, I wrote some language across the um, the front of it. And did you love the? Did you love that little thing? How cute is that little song? Amen. I love that. You know, changing the world together. But I wrote some language across the front. I wrote um, 2010. Hello. You know, a gathering of the feminine heart. Um, humanity is waiting, and heaven is preparing. And there's truth in that. This is 2010, girls. I don't know if you've noticed, but, but we are in 2010. Yeah. That's pretty legendary. I thought Jesus was coming back in 1988 when the planets aligned. But we're in 2010. (laughs) And this is a new decade. Hallelujah. Did anyone think that? Or was it 1984 the planets were going to align? I don't know. Whatever. It didn't happen. But, um, you know, we're in 2010 and this is a new decade. We're in a new decade and it's exciting. And I don't know if there's any language over your, you know, life or your ministry or your church. But in our church, it's faith, hope and love. And we are expecting to see a new decade of faith, hope, and love. You saw some of that language on the, you know, the advertisement for the Hillsong Conference. And you know, the truth is, girls, we are all facing a new decade. That's pretty exciting. We are on the page of a whole new decade in history. And um, I believe it's going to be an incredible decade, an incre- incredible decade of faith revealed, faith executed, faith exemplified. You know, an incredible decade of, of hope and love. And you know what? We need faith, don't we? Do we need faith? We need faith. I don't know about you, but I need faith. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews of the faith chapters, it just says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, you know, that, that Scripture is not a reflection on God's acceptance of us. You know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That doesn't reflect on His acceptance of us because He accepts us all. But it actually does reflect on our ability to execute His will on the earth because we need faith to walk into His purposes. I don't know about you, but I need faith for what God has called me to. At the end of 2009, down there at the end of what was an amazing gathering like this, do you know, we were, at the end of it, we just looked at each other and went, okay, well, that's it, I'm spent Jesus, you need to come back now because we have no more ideas. We have, like, there's nothing more to give. But, you know, he didn't come back. And we're sort of, here we are 12 months on. And so you need faith to walk into the purposes of God. You know, a new decade of hope. We are living in a planet that is fragile, that is uncertain. And I really believe, you know, the Bible says again in in Hebrews, it says that, you know, faith is this amazing anchor to the human soul. It is this beautiful intangible, this beautiful intangible that is yet so tangible. And I don't know about you, but a lot of people criticise the faith that we have within the kingdom of God. I know that, you know, journalists will say to us, how can you give people, you know, this, this false hope? This hope, but you know what? This hope is not—it's not—it's not false, is it? It's very, very tangible. And so, again, we're on the beginning of an awesome decade together. And you know, the love of God is amazing. The love of God, and and so these are exciting days. And the love of God is ageless, timeless. It's—it's—it's it's, 
enduring, it's magnificent, it's unshakable, it's certain. So we are living in amazing days, girls, and I want you to understand that, and I know that you do. And you know, I wrote across the conference at the beginning also, a gathering of the feminine heart, and I chose to, we chose to open, not I, but we, we chose to open the conference again with that beautiful image of the Holy Spirit, that beautiful dove, you know, reflective of the Holy Spirit, and we chose to put the sound in the side of a thousand fluttering little doves, which kind of is like you and I gathering. You know, this time last year, we scattered. We were gathered and then we scattered and then we've gathered again. I chose to do that intentionally because, you know, we must never depart from the reality that it is by His Spirit. Is that not true? You know, in Zechariah it says, the Lord says, you know, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And do you know what? As we gather, as we see this feminine heart gathering across the earth, as we see the likes of this exemplified again and again and again across the earth, do you know what? We must never depart from the reality that it is by His Spirit. And I don't want to do that. And I'm continually reminded, you know, of that beautiful verse. And we, we, we focused on it last year. And it's, it's, it should be signature in all of our hearts. In Luke, where, you know, Jesus himself said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a reason. And I pray that, you know, that isn't just like a last year theme. But that is the theme of our hearts. Amen? And I want the Spirit of God in my life. Yes? Do I have any friends in this place? I want the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is upon us for magnificent endeavour. And like Christ, He needed the Spirit of God upon Him. And He said, you know what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, you know, to, to preach the Gospel, to speak the Gospel, to share the Gospel, to heal the broken heart, to bring you know, release to the captive, sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed. And so I pray that we never depart from that. And I wanted this conference, I wanted us to start again where we finished off last year because we're on a journey of discovery. Amen? I love that. And so, you know, I'm excited. I am excited for these next few days. And I believe that God is going to do something astounding on so many fronts. And I've been telling our girls and in the lead up to conference, I've been saying, you know, I really believe that God has an agenda for this year and He has an agenda for these next two days. He has an agenda. And, you know, it's a personal agenda. It is a collective agenda and it is a kingdom agenda. You know, it's a personal agenda because God is a personal God. And that's why I read Psalm 121 to you. And that's why I encouraged you with that thought that, you know what, if you seek Him, you will find Him. You have the capacity to seek Him. God is a personal God. I want to encourage you in that. And, you know, we're all familiar with the beautiful verses in Jeremiah 29, 11, aren't we? Where God says, you know what, He knows the thoughts and the plans that He has for us. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for you, sweetheart. And here I am looking at an ocean of faces, but I want you to know that the Spirit of God has a plan for your life. He, is not, he does not overlook any one of us. He has a plan for your life. And I want you to lift your expectation and have hope and expectation. Amen? You know, if we have hope and expectation in our amazing God, He never disappoints. He's amazing. He has a plan. So there's, I believe God has an agenda for you this year and for, at this conference. I believe that there is a collective agenda. Yes? There is, because, you know, the Bible teaches us that where there is unity, God doesn't just command blessing, but He actually commands anointing. In the Psalms, it says that. And, do you know, as a company of women, we are coming together you know, we often say the sisterhood, this, this global gathering is a sisterhood united in friendship and cause. 
And you know, again, where there is unity, God commands blessing and anointing. And I honestly believe that there is collective effort. There is an agenda within this gathering. There is an agenda within this gathering. We are not just here having a chick gathering. There is an agenda from heaven, from before the foundations of the earth. And it's like there is collective effort in here that, you know what, is going to deliver something phenomenal beyond our wildest imaginations. And I also believe that there is a kingdom agenda. And I've been saying this to our girls. I've been telling our girls, and I don't say this lightly, but I really believe that the enemy has a lot to lose this year. The enemy has a lot to lose this year. And, um, you know, God quickened a verse to me a couple of weeks ago and we were just teaching amongst our girls and it's from Second Chronicles chapter 20 and I'll give reference to that tomorrow if I don't forget. <laughs> Remind me if I, if I start to forget. But it's this amazing, amazing scripture and honestly, I really believe when I read it and I saw it, I saw it in a certain context of some of the endeavours that we are seeking to put our hand towards in a collective manner, I really saw the power of it. And I'm excited and I really do believe that the enemy has much to lose. He has much to lose in Jesus' name because of the unity that is in this room. And you know, if we can begin to rise up as that amazing force that was prophesied in Proverbs 31, amen, if we can begin to rise up as that force that capable, intelligent, virtuous force, hello? And if we can begin to rise up as that host of women on the earth, again prophesied in 6811, Psalm 6811, hello, praise the Lord. Do you know what? We're gonna see amazing things happen on the earth. So I am excited. And I really believe that, you know, as a collective force, we can do some serious damage to the enemy. We can do some serious damage to the enemy's dark plans against humanity. And you know what, I believe as this tonight unfolds, as tomorrow unfolds, as we lean in, as we seek to understand that I believe that strongholds are gonna break in the heavens. I believe that walls are gonna tumble in Jesus' name. And you know what, we are gonna stand back and smile. Stuff is gonna happen. We are gonna be responsible for some serious damage to the enemy's plans against humanity. And you know what, I love the thought of us just sitting back and smiling, you know? And the world may not be able to figure it, but stuff is gonna happen because of the collective force that is in, within this room. You understand that, don't you? And you know, some of this might be new language for you and you're just gonna to have to catch up, ask someone to explain to you. But you know, something is happening on the earth. And I believe that, you know, you know, as was the beautiful image during the meeting where it said, you know, humanity is waiting and heaven is preparing. I believe that with all my heart. I honestly believe that. And I believe that we are living in days where the church of Jesus Christ on the earth has the capacity right now to swing eternity in heaven's favour. We really do. And I believe that heaven is preparing. Heaven is preparing. In John chapter 14, our beautiful Saviour King, before He departed this earth, He said, you know what? I am going home to prepare a place for you. I'm going home to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and take you unto myself that where I am, you will be also. And right now, right now, girls, you know, some of you might have trouble getting this getting around this in your head, but right now heaven is preparing. Right now heaven is preparing. Mansions and homes and rooms are being prepared in heaven. A table is being prepared in heaven. 
A day is being prepared. A day, they're waiting for a day when the Father will turn to the Son and say, Son, today, today you return to earth and you bring them home. And, you know, we need to understand that. And I, I honestly believe that humanity is waiting on so many fronts. Humanity, we're living in the most phenomenal days. I don't know, do you, I'm sure you understand this, but we really are. We are living in the most phenomenal days. And humanity with all her diverseness and all her complexities is waiting on so many fronts. I, bre- I believe the bride of Christ is waiting. You know, the bride of Christ is the church. It's those who have a revelation of this amazing God and of, you know, align their heart and they're looking heavenward. I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes my heart, like it says in Psalm 84, it says I get homesick for the courts of God. Like sometimes I'm kind of, ramp it up, God, come home. You know, bring us home. It's like amazing. And then I'm like, no, I want to have more grandchildren. (laughs) You know, some of you are like, no, I want to get married and have sex. No, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, hands up. No, don't say that. Brian always used to pray that. He used to pray. He always used to want Jesus to return. He was like, no, I want to get married and have sex. No. (laughs) Anyway, so. But you know what? Humanity is waiting on so many fronts. Yeah, and so is. This bride is waiting. And um, you know what? There are thirsty souls right now. There are thirsty souls out there who are waiting. Thirsty souls are waiting. And so many of us in this room tonight, our thirst has been quenched. But you know where there are multitudes and their thirst has not been quenched. And they're waiting for a literal glass of water or a spiritual glass of water. Humanity is waiting on so many fronts and I believe that the highways and the byways are waiting. And um, I believe that those who remain in captivity still are waiting. And we're gonna hear some of that unfold in the coming days. But you know what? There's a whole lot of people who are not enjoying what we're enjoying. And so again, we are living in crazy, amazing days. They really are. And um, tonight I get to, you know, I get to welcome you. I get to open this conference. I get to hopefully set a little bit of a stage for what is to come. And I know that our guests down here are going to bring the Word of God. I know that Priscilla and Holly and Robbie and Christine and others, the Word of God is going to unfold to us. It's going to be fantastic. You know, tonight... It's hard for me to actually do these opening sessions. It's like I don't know where to pitch. And so of late, I have decided that I'm going to do it like this. So I've only done this a couple of times, but I do what is called a tasting plate. Does anyone know what a tasting plate is? All right, so a tasting plate is when, you know, when you come to church and you have a message, you know, a message is delivered to you, it's like a meal. So I'm sure that tomorrow Holly will bring a meal to us and Priscilla will bring a meal, etc. Well, you know, tonight I'm not bringing you a meal as much as a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, in the hope that it all makes sense. Amen. It's like a little entree. Is that okay? And so tonight I want to bring you three tasting plates. I want to give you a little insight to something to kind of what the Lord has been doing amongst our girls and what he's been speaking to us in recent times. Familiar territory for my own girls in the room, but that's okay. I want to bring a little insight there. I want to bring a little insight to a God encounter that happened to me that I experienced last year that I don't believe was given for no reason. And I want to give a little bit of insight, hopefully, to make it all make sense. Is that all right? So we're taking notes, write down tasting plate number one. Tasting plate one, (laughs) and it's a question. It's a question. You know, last year, late last year, I was reading my Bible, as you do. It's a good idea to read your Bible every now and then, girls. 
And um, I was reading my Bible, I was reading in Genesis, and I came across this story. It's in Genesis chapter 4, and you'll be familiar with it. It's actually a story that is the first account of violence after the fall, if you really look at it. In the first four chapters of Genesis, a lot happens. A lot happens. We've got creation, we've got the planet void and empty, we've got creation, we've got the fall of humankind, and, you know, a lot happens in those first three or four chapters. In chapter 4, there's a story, there's an account. Like I just said, it's the first account of violence after the fall and we need to pay attention. And it's the story of two brothers who bring an offering to God. They each bring an offering. And the account tells us that God accepted one and not the other. It's important to note that he wasn't rejecting the one that he didn't accept. He wasn't actually rejecting the brother. He was rejecting what he offered him. Do you understand there's a difference? And it tells how that God spoke to this brother and rejected what he offered because it wasn't the first fruit of his life, it wasn't what God required and what God knew would be important. And God said, you know what, if you pay attention, if you do what is right, it will be well with you. If you don't, be warned, sin crouches at the door and it will consume you. But alas, this brother doesn't navigate his heart, he doesn't govern his attitude and he rises up and long story short, he kills his brother, he kills the other brother. And then God inquires and says, where is your brother? So he's just murdered his brother in the field. And God inquires and says, where is your brother? As if God doesn't know. And this brother responds and says, well, how do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? And God responds and says, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground, which I think is an intense thought. And uh, when I read that, it struck me and it was like God quickened it to my heart and And I actually wondered the question, I actually wondered in the context of sisterhood, in the context of this greater message about the daughters, I asked myself the same question, will God perhaps one day ask us that same question? Will he one day require of us and say, where is your sister or where is your brother? And will he one day ask us about the welfare of those that we did life with, both near and far? Will he ask us, will he one day perhaps, ask us about the welfare of those that we shared life with, those that we shared the same moment in history with, those that we shared the same breath on the planet with, both near and far? And I wonder if us saying, like Cain said, well, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper or am I my sister's keeper? I wonder if that won't fly with God. And so at women, this is a tasting plate, at women in our church, and you know, I don't require anything of this conference of you girls. I don't suggest anything that I'm not prepared to do with our own girls. You know, the power of this conference is that we commit to this week in, week out. And I want our girls to be a living example of this message. And so over the last few months, we've actually been fleshing this out as a sisterhood, what it is to be our sister's keepers, what it is to truly understand what it takes to be that. And again, in context of near and far, you know, near is near, here. Near is my two daughters down here on the front row. Near is my friends, those that I do life with. But what about far? What about, you know, people groups and and groups of people? Like, what about all the girls who are captive on the earth right now? Will God one day ask, where are they? 
And I don't know if it'll be good enough for us to say, I don't know. And so we've been pondering this on a number of fronts and it's actually been a great series. And I'm committed through this year to really flesh that out on a number of fronts so that when we encounter women in our lives, when we encounter neighbourhood or whatever, that we have the capacity to watch over one another, amen? So like last week, I got my girls up and we talked about watching over one another, being custodians. It's another word for keeper, to be a custodian over one another's identity. We were talking about that because let's face it, if we can't you know, navigate our own identity and confidence, it's very unlikely that we're actually going to be able to watch over another person's identity and confidence. So we've been fleshing this out with our girls. So I, that's what we've been doing. And you know, I think it's important for us girls to remember that you know, the woman of God is humanitarian. The woman of God. You know, if you want to be spiritual, if you want to be a woman of God, we'll understand that she is humanitarian. And you know, the, the heart of this sisterhood, this greater global sisterhood, this thing that is happening on the earth is humanitarian. And the word humanitarian actually means to seek and to care for the welfare of others. To seek and to care. And you know, like I think that's profound. Like, this afternoon I just looked at that anew and I went, wow. That, that isn't just caring for the welfare of another. That is seeking the wealth. That is seeking. That is, that is sometimes stepping over comfort zones. That is stepping over the line. That is getting out of your like, little cocoon. That is pushing mountains and boulders to seek out the welfare of others. And, you know, all that we do here, all that we do at Sisterhood on a local context, all that we do in this colour conference, it's all grand and it's all wonderful. And, you know, the fun and the games and the frivolity and all of that stuff is fantastic. But may we never forget that at the very core of it is others. And God wants us to be mindful of that. You know, in contrast to that story, there's another story in Nehemiah. And, you know, Nehemiah chapter one and two, and I am, in, I am on purpose not reading these verses. I want you just to write them down and study them in your own time if you want to. But in contrast, in contrast to Cain's reaction, there's another reaction in Nehemiah. And you know, the context of that story is, you know, God's people were in captivity. You know, they were in exile. They were in a lot of duress. And Nehemiah, you know, he finds himself in a, the palace of a foreign king. So, you know, he is favoured. He is blessed. He is like removed from the drama. And like God is, you know, it's all wonderful. And it, and it says how a kinsman of his people comes to visit. And instead of Nehemiah having the attitude, well, you know, am I my brother's keepers? No, he asks after his kinsman. That's what the story says, he asks after the welfare of his kinsmen. And when he discovers that they are under duress, that they are oppressed and that things are not good, he doesn't take that attitude like Cain and say, well, oh, what a shame. You know, I'm just blessed. Here I am. He says, you know, he doesn't take that attitude. He actually, it actually says that he begins to weep and, and to mourn and to grieve and to cry and to pray and to fast. And because of that, something profound happens. Amazing solution happens because he takes responsibility. And again, I really believe that there are many, many people on the earth. There are many women on the earth in context of sisterhood in this message. There are many women on the earth near and far who need someone to ask after their welfare. They need someone to ask after their welfare. I've been sharing a story with our girls of late about this woman I've been reading about. Her name is Baroness Carolyn Cox. Has anyone ever heard of her? She's an English woman and um, she's in her 70s. And um, by the grace of God, we're going to meet her at the Royal Albert in a month's time. She's going to come to colour and I'm going to meet her and we're going to become best friends. <laughs> and with a bit of luck, <laughs> we might be able to bring some of her, something 
or the gold on her life to you guys, I don't know. But um, I started reading about this woman and, you know, she's an amazing, she's a legendary woman in her own right. Again, like in her 70s, a very famous humanitarian, a woman who in her youth was just a pretty much everyday girl, just an everyday girl who decided that she would be a nurse and put her hand to that and was faithful with that and, and wrote some papers and got exposed to some areas in the nursing field at the time that was, um, there was a deficit and she wrote some papers and long story short, her papers got you know, presented to parliament in England and suddenly you know, she was drawn into the equation then she was invited to be part of the House of Lords or whatever in Westminster or whatever and um, pretty amazing and she's just ended up being this legendary person. It says in her book that she says, she goes, I was a nurse by intention and a baroness by astonishment. In other words, you know, she was equally astonished that this, you know, she was, um, well, they call it peerage or something, but she was, you know, extended this great honour. It's an amazing story. And I love that. I love that because she's just an everyday girl who put her hand to what was to do and God led her and opened amazing doors. But it says of her life, it says of her life that in all her endeavours, and so she's just done so much around the world, It says of her life that when it came to people and to people groups, a true humanitarian, it says that she visited their homes, she listened to their stories, she asked questions, she allowed herself to be grieved and outraged, and then she raised her voice. And I found that profoundly inspiring. She was an everyday girl who, not like Cain, but more like Nehemiah, positioned herself just every day. And it says she visited their homes of humanity. She visited their homes. She listened to their stories. She asked questions. She allowed herself to be grieved and then outraged. And then she raised her voice in true Proverbs 31 style. And again, I really believe that God is sending out a very loud and clear wake-up call across the church. You know, the history of colour is quite interesting. And... Um, you know, over our, we're in our 14th year now, and uh, maybe 15th year actually. <laughs> Holly and I were trying to remember the other night, and we just like couldn't remember. It's like we've seriously got Alzheimer's, okay? We couldn't remember. But you know, it's been an interesting journey. And I was sharing this with our girls recently too. It's like over this period of time, it's like we have labored together. We've labored together. We have labored to believe in women. We have labored to encourage women to rise up. We have laboured to empower women. And you know, there have been strategic times when the Holy Spirit, I think very intentionally, has factored moments in where our hearts have been grieved and outraged. Would you agree? You know, 2007, Asa Arena, 16, 17,000 women. And God allowed us to be exposed to the cry of humanity, if you remember that moment. And I think that was very intentional on God's part. I think God has allowed those moments. And you know, I say that because some women can't cope with it. They can't cope with sometimes the intensity that happens in here. They just want to come and for it to be all lovely. But there are moments that are serious. There are moments where our hearts are grieved and our hearts are, you know, whatever. But I think that is intentional because God knows that if our hearts are grieved and outraged, it will compel us to rise up. And many have risen up. Amen? And... Again, you know, I really believe that we, we've got to continue in that. We can't get familiar with this. 
There is so much going on the earth that is outrageously wrong. And we're in an outrageously right environment tonight. But you know what? It is not like that for everyone. And so we can't become familiar with this message. We can't become familiar. We have to continue to allow our hearts to be moved. We have to continue to lean in. We have to continue to listen and position ourselves and step out of our comfort zone and and do whatever is necessary because there are countless multitudes out there who need someone to be concerned with their welfare. You know, Christine will give expression to this. (laughs) But you know, like with A21 and Be Her Freedom and just last week she was, you know, up in that part of the world at the shelter and a girl fell into her arms. I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder, Christine, but a girl collapsed into her arms, recently rescued out of that industry. God is just doing an amazing thing up there. But this young girl collapsed into her, her arms weeping and said, why did you take so long to come? Why did you take so long? And you know what, Chris is the first to admit, she said, she didn't have an answer. She felt ashamed. She said, I'm so sorry, I did not hear the cry. I did not hear it. I did not hear it fast enough. And so, you know, we need to pay attention. We we need to pay attention in Jesus' name. And, you know, Proverbs 31, 8 is a signature verse. It's gonna go on the screens. But um, it says, open your mouth. Open your mouth for the dumb, for those unable to speak for themselves, for the rights of all who have been left desolate and defenseless. Open your mouth, judge righteously, administer justice for the poor and the needy. You know, the definition of that word administer means to manage or be responsible for running something. It's an invitation for involvement. Administer justice. And that's what we're seeking to do. That is the heartbeat of this conference. We are by the grace of God. We come, we rejoice, we have friendship, we're united on all of these fronts. But you know, at the end of the day, this is a humanitarian conference and we're seeking to address the heart of the Father on, on, on just wherever He takes us. And it means, it means administer justice. It means manage or be responsible for running something. How, like, I know that's just a definition, but it's actually quite profound. It requires, it's like a requirement. And like I said, some girls have come to this conference and they can't cope. They don't come back because they cannot cope with the demand that it puts on their spirit. But you know what? God knows that we can deliver the goods. Amen. And I'm not suggesting that in administering justice that every one of us has to turn around and do one of these. But it's like step up and be responsible for something in the network or the sphere of responsibility that you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These are exciting days. Tasting plate number two. Okay, a God encounter. And I want to share this with you. And, you know, I don't know, you've probably had a number of God encounters. I don't know. I'm sure that you have. You're amazing women. I've had a handful of God, God encounters, defining God encounters in my life. And I believe if it's a genuine God encounter, it will define your life. There will be fruit from it. So, for example, when I was 16, I had, a, I had a God encounter in God's Word. And again, if you've been around me, you've heard some of these stories, but it was a God encounter in the Word of God. You don't have to go looking for a God encounter. You can have a God encounter in the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But um, as many of you know, I was reading Micah chapter 4 and 5. And um, again, I've shared this many times because I believe it was a defining moment that has shaped what is the fruit of what we're sitting in tonight, talks about the latter days, it talks about the house of God, it talks about 
the church laboring to bring forth what is within her. And in that context, in chapter five, it talks about gathering the troops, gathering the daughters and troops, like a military troops. That was a God encounter when I was 16. Had another God encounter about 10 years ago, a God encounter in worship, a God encounter in worship. And I remember in worship, again, you would have heard this story. I remember asking God about His heart for the church. And out of his response, I wrote a book called Heaven is in This House, which has helped define how a number of people do church. So that was a God encounter. Had another God encounter in Melbourne, Melbourne, a number of years ago. And uh, I believe it was a God encounter at a critical gathering. It was a gathering in our nation of women leaders from all around. And there were about 800 leaders there. For me, probably the most um, tangible God encounter that I've ever had And in that moment, again, I've shared it. In that moment, I felt God turn my worshiping hand over and kiss it. I felt him do that. And I've shared that many times. And, you know, he kissed it in a way that only a princely king can kiss your hand. He kissed it in in only a way that a heavenly father can kiss your hand. And I believe that in that moment, um, entrustment of a message about value came. Okay, this is not about me. Okay, and how profound that God would do that with a kiss on your hand, don't you think? I think that's profound. Only he, I mean, you've got to be mad too. Like, you can't make this stuff up. All right. (laughs) I seriously, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha, they're coming to take me away. No, they're not. Okay. (laughs) Okay, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like, for me, I'm sharing some moments here. Of course God would do that. You know, a message about placing value on womanhood when so many women are abused and disregarded. Of course He would kiss our hand. That's the kind of God He is. He's amazing. Had a God encounter a handful of years ago at my desk, a God encounter, I guess, in the intimacy of study and due diligence about this conference late at night. And in that that moment and that intimacy. Again, I've shared this with you, but I felt the cry of women in eternity asking who will take care of my babies. And it was in that intercessory moment that our churches and this conference heightened and committed devotion and commitment to the orphan child and the widow just went to another level. And as long as I'm in the saddle, the orphan child and the widow will always be important. So these have been God encounter moments in my life. I said all that to say this. At the end of Hillsong Conference last year, and um, I don't know if you were in that gathering, it was amazing, <clears throat> but um, I had another God encounter moment. And um, again, in a gathering where that is quite unique on the earth in that it gathers and unites the body of Christ, the broadest spectrum of the body of Christ unite at that July conference. And I've shared this only with my girls late last year, but you know, the conference had ended on the Friday night and it had been amazing. And, um, you know, the, the meeting was pretty much dismissed and probably a third of the crowd had, had started to leave. And, and rightly so, it was, the conference was over. And our worship team, you know, they're just crazy. When they get in the zone, they just never want to let it go. And um, they just began to worship and the worship just started to go to another level. And, you know, as I was on the front row just worshipping God with everybody else without, with a heart of gratitude, it's like the Spirit of God came on me and, you know, the only words that would come out of my spirit were the Spirit and the Bride say, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. 
the spirit and the bride say, come now again. You know, you've got to be mad to make up this stuff. Why would that happen? I was just grateful to God for an awesome week. And suddenly, you know, it's like this, this presence of God comes on and the only words that will pour out of my spirit, and this has only happened on a handful of occasions, was the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. You know, girls, those words are found in Revelation. Those words are found on the very last page of the Bible. In my Amplified Bible, those words are in the fifth last paragraph of the Bible. This Bible, this record of time and history, this love letter to humanity. And suddenly these words are pouring out of my spirit. And do you know, I am not pretending to be something that I'm not. I'm not standing up here pretending to be some prophet. I'm not pretending to give voice to something that no one has the right to give voice to. But you know, I want you to go home. I'm not even going to, for the sake of time, I'm not even gonna read those verses to you, but they are profound. With the spirit of, you know, the spirit and the bride say, come. It's the very, it's like Jesus talking about coming and coming soon. And I know it was written 100,000 years ago. Not really, <laughs> but, but they are profound words. And what I felt and what I'm sharing humbly with you is that in that moment, and again, I'm not suggesting anything, but I felt, I just wondered if a shift happened in the heavenlies. I was like, oh God, has a shift happened in the heavenlies? Has the church of Jesus Christ truly moved onto the latter pages? Have we moved onto these latter pages? The spirit and the bride say come somewhere in that moment. You know, Matthew 22, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding feast for his son. And he invited all who would to this feast. And many refused. And it says that the king was angry. And he actually said, they are not worthy of this invitation. They were invited to the wedding feast of my son and they have refused, they are not worthy. Go therefore into the highways and the byways and beckon all who will to come to my wedding feast that my banquet room might be full for my son. And again, in that moment, I was like, Lord, have we entered a highways and a byways era? And you know, in some ways, I really believe that this is where the church of Jesus Christ is right now. I think we're living in the most profound days and we need to be mindful, excited, mindful. We are living in the most profound days. You know, the earth is groaning, something is happening on the earth. And I just wonder if, you know, we aren't coming into a place of stature where the church of Jesus Christ on the earth, and you know what, she will always be flawed and she will always, you know, be imperfect because, hello, she's made up with the likes of you and I. But where the church is coming of age when she is awakening to who she truly is and with voice, with unity and with partnership, she is partnering with the Spirit of God and there is this, this beautiful harmony coming where the Spirit of God and the Bride of Christ, the church, truly say come to thirsting humanity. That's what it says in Revelation. And do you know, all that we are is human, girls. All that we have to offer is earthly and human. It is, but when the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us also, when the Spirit of God gets upon our human and our earthly, it becomes heavenly. You know, everything we do changes. So, you know, an invitation goes out, an invitation like this. I'll use this as an example. An invitation goes out. It's earthly. 
It's human. It's on paper, it's ink. It was printed at a human printer. There's nothing divine about it. But when it goes out with the breath of God on it and the Spirit of God, it becomes a heavenly invitation. Do you understand? The Spirit and the bride, we're moving into different days of partnership where the church is truly beginning to understand what the heart of God truly is for humanity. You know, when we extend a glass of water, you know, an earthly glass of water, a glass of water is earthly. But you know, when the Spirit of God comes near, it becomes heavenly. It can quench not only natural thirst, but, you know, the thirst of the soul. When, you know, an outstretched hand is earthly, but when it is married with the compassion and the kindness and the goodness of God, it becomes heavenly. Do you know, we are living in amazing days, amazing opportunity to truly be the church, to truly be the heart of God to humanity. Has anyone seen the movie Blindside? Hands up, have you seen the movie Blindside? Okay, okay, I love that. I love that Sandra Bullock got Best Actress. Not that I watched the Grammys, but I love that because you know what, it will compel people to go see it. And it's about the heart of God. It's a true story, it's amazing. And there's this moment, I won't ruin it for those girls who haven't seen it yet, but that moment where she walks across the room and sits down with that black mama. You know, the, the beautiful mama who is so broken and she reaches out and she holds her hand. Do you know what? That is a divine exchange. That wasn't, do you hear what I'm saying? It was like, that was heavenly. And I just think, I just think, I think God is just amazing. We're just living in days, I believe, where the Spirit and the Bride, Spirit and the Church are just partnering together, working together like never before. I love it. Tasting plate number three. And it's a quick one. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's like, how do you, How do you take such a grand thought perhaps, and maybe it's not grand to you, but I don't, whatever. (laughs) How do you take such a grand thought like that or a bold declaration and how do you make it doable for the likes of you and I? I mean, we're just girls and guys. How do we make that, how do we make that doable and tangible? And, um, you know, I wrote a declaration in this brochure and you know I, on the front of this I put I am sisterhood okay I am sisterhood and you saw it at the beginning it was like I am sisterhood and then we are sisterhood do you know both are a revelation it was intentional you know I could have put we are sisterhood we are sisterhood but not everybody would buy into that because some people don't think that they belong. So I intentionally wrote I am because it requires a revelation, it requires a sense of ownership. They're both revelations. I am sisterhood, I am part, you know, to, to realise that we're part of the feminine heart of God on the earth for such a time as this, that is a revelation. We are sisterhood is also a revelation, it's a collective revelation. And, um, and how do we make all this, this doable? You know, I'm going to just read a little bit of this. This declaration is everywhere, and you've probably read it, but never mind. I am sisterhood is a declaration. A declaration that is bold and strong, quiet and confident. A declaration about value and identity, purpose and mission. It is a declaration intentional in reach and embrace. It transcends culture and creed, age and status, prejudice and preference. 
It's a declaration that positions itself amid awareness and responsibility concerning care, injustice and solution. A declaration ultimately concerned with the welfare of the world and her inhabitants. It has courageously woven its way through time and history and continues to weave itself across our lives and future. It is our collective here and now. It is our collective here and now and belongs to any feminine soul who somehow believes that she was born for more than what is temporal or fleeting. It's for women of all ages and background, personality and style, colour and vibrancy. It's for the bold and the bodacious, the the demure and the unassuming. I'm so verbose. It is for the bold and the bodacious. Do we have any in the room? Where are the bold and the bodacious? (laughs) I don't even know what bodacious means. The demure and the unassuming. It's a sisterhood that perhaps heaven imagined when a very intentional creator created his girls. It's strong and beautiful, feminine and gracious, authoritative and gentle, and above all else, welcomes the broken and the discarded. Whichever way you see or understand it, it is a growing movement of women across the earth. Do you know, that's a bold statement. You know, the thought of revelation, it's grand. And, you know, it's like, how do we make this reality in our lives? You know, I actually think it's really simple. I really think it is simple. I think it's just a, a simple combination of a few things. It's you and I taking our hearts in our hands, our gift and our talent, our strength and our influence, and allowing it to be united at such a time as this. Do you know, in this room tonight, when it comes to hearts, there's a lot going on in some of your hearts. Some of your hearts are full of dreams and desires and hopes and aspirations and crazy things. And I want to encourage you, you know, to commit them to God. Proverbs 16 says, commit your way unto God. Commit them unto God. And I want to encourage you to do that. Commit what is in your heart to God and then get busy with what is in your hand. And you know, if you do that, what is in your heart will become reality. So many people, when it comes to making a difference on the earth or the hopes and dreams, they, they, they have so much going on here, but they will not understand the power of what is in their hand. And you know, as we unite our hearts and our hands and are diligent with that, do you know what? Who knows what God can deliver? When it comes to gift and talent, man, in this room, there is so much gift and talent. There is so much gift and talent. But can I just remind you, that if you have been blessed with gift and talent and measure, can I remind you in James chapter 1:17, it says that every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and is given for a reason. Those bright ideas that you have, that genius that comes so naturally to you, do you know what? It's given by the Father of lights. Your bright idea came from the Father of bright lights. And you know what? He gives us these ideas. He gives us gift and talent and measure for a reason. So can I encourage us, can I encourage you to find that reason and to be faithful with it? To be faithful. And if you do, then collectively, something phenomenal will happen on the earth. And I have a pet theory here, and I'm going to throw it in, even though time is slipping away. You know, Psalm 92 says, Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish, bear fruit even into old age. And you know, sometimes when it comes to gift and talent and measure, people get a distorted perception of what it's about. I personally believe that any gift and talent is given unto the calling on your life. Do you believe that? It's according to the calling on your life. I also believe that the calling on your life is given unto 
the place, the house where you should be planted. And then out of that, that gift, calling, house is given unto the cause of Christ. And you know what? If you can understand those dynamics, I promise you that what is in your heart will become reality in Jesus' name. And then finally, hearts and hands, gift and talent, strength and influence. And you know, strength and influence, these are dynamics that come with with, um, distance, with time, with longevity, with faithfulness. Do you know, I believe that God, I'm gonna get the team to come up, please, thank you guys. You know, I believe that we are living in days where God is weaving a master plan across the earth. He's always had a plan. He's always had a plan for the earth. Since the foundation of the earth, He has had a plan. And His master plan is taking shape on the earth. I believe we're living in days when God is joining the dots more than at any other time in history. You know, and we need to pay attention to what is happening because we are alive at such a time as this. Phenomenal days. And, you know, I want to say that, you know, in context of the body of Christ, and I realise there's these girls here tonight, and, you know, this might be swirling in your head, but the broader spectrum of women in this room, you have an understanding of what I'm saying. But, you know, when it comes to the body of Christ on the earth, from God's perspective, when He looks at the earth, the planet, do you know what? There isn't a one of us in the room that has the full measure of the body of Christ. Now, let me explain. As individuals, we are the temple of God. He inhabits our hearts. Amen. So that's one dynamic. And then we get planted in a local church, in a local family. Amen. A body. And of course that can be exemplified in that local context. But you know, the body of Christ on the earth, the church, you know what perhaps God was prophesying about, what John was prophesying and writing about in those last pages in Revelation, the, 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 the spirit and the church say come. You know, When it comes to the church on the earth, the body of Christ on the earth, diverse and beautiful and hallelujah, all these things. Not one of us has the full measure. We are a body. We all have a part to play. And I think we need to grow up. I believe that we are, but I think we need to grow up. We need to realise where our place is and be content in that and understand and let's play our part together so that we can be the body of Christ on the earth. Amen. That we can play our part in Jesus' name. It's what I wanted to bring to you tonight. And I honestly believe as we navigate all of these things, as we, you know, seek to become, you know, our sister's keepers, as we, you know, seek to understand some of the dynamics that we are exposed to, that, you know, God is going to do a phenomenal thing in our lives, in our lives and in the lives of others. And we're going to rise up as this beautiful, majestic force that um, can bring solution and bring God's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all I wanted to bring to you tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.